Hi everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Christine Mugenyu. I'm an associate in the Dispute Resolution and Employment Department at Cliff Decker Hofmeyer, the Kenyan office, and I'm joined today by Janet Nyaga. Janet, you can introduce yourself. Thank you Christine. Hi everyone. My name is Janet Nyaga. I'm a candidate attorney with Cliff Decker Hofmeyer, the Nairobi office. I'm currently practicing in the Dispute Resolution Department as well as the Employment Department. Thank you Janet. So today we'll be discussing a very interesting topic. We'll be discussing about secondments in employment and why we chose this topic is because there's now some guidance from case law and particularly from the Court of Appeal on the structure of a secondment agreement. So we will be discussing the secondment relationship with an aim of highlighting the issues to be considered by an employer and employee when it comes to secondments. We shall also highlight a recent Court of Appeal decision in Kenya Methodist University versus Mary Kaugania and Kaberia Isaac which was delivered on 4th February 2022. So Janet, please expound more on the nature of secondment relationships. Thank you Christine. I think it's important to understand the nature of a secondment relationship because it's important for all parties to know whom they owe the obligations. So how the secondment relationship starts, the employer contracts with the employee. This contract like other employment contracts lists the duties and obligations of all the parties. Then in the course of this relationship, an employee might want to be seconded to another organization or an employer might be of the opinion that they should second an employee to another organization so in this case what must happen legally is that the employee must enter into a secondment contract with the second employer so in this discussion we'll refer to the second employer as the principal employer and the first employer as the nominal employer this is because while the secondment contract subsists the first employer that is the nominal employer their powers are residual upon the termination of the secondment contract having understood that i think we can go to case of mary kaungania that is between the kenya methodist university and mary kaungania so in this case what happened is that mary kaungania and isaac were first employed by the methodist church in kenya as ministers in the church then within the course of their employment the methodist church in kenya seconded the two employees to the kenya methodist university so the two employees entered into a secondment contract with the kenya methodist university and an interesting clause in this secondment contract was that the secondment would be subject to the approval of the presiding bishop of the methodist church mm-hmm. so this contract it was a 3 year renewable contract it was renewed several times but within the course of the contract the presiding bishop of the methodist church in kenya recalled the two employees and reassigned them to another station so the employees declined to follow this order and they claimed that the, their employer was the kenya methodist university and not the methodist church in kenya so due to that the presiding bishop of the methodist church in kenya withdrew his approval and then the kenya methodist university terminated the contract because they said since the secondment contract was subject to the approval of the presiding bishop without the approval of the presiding bishop the secondment contracts cannot exist after terminating the two employees the two employees approached the employment and labor relations court in Nyeri where they presented their case and the court agreed with the employees that they were unfairly terminated then because they were grieved with this decision the Kenya Methodist University now appealed to the court of appeal in Nyeri 
to have the decision reversed. So the Court of Appeal framed three issues for determination. One of the issues was who was the employer during the secondment. And this was important because it enabled the court to identify who can terminate this contract. So the court held that when a person is on secondment, the principal employer is the person that assigns the employee specific duties and remunerates the employee by a salary or a wage. And the person who seconds the employee is just a nominal employer and their powers and duties are only reinstated once the secondment ends. The second issue that was framed for determination was what was the legal effect of withdrawing the approval of secondment. So the court was of the opinion that how the parties had phrased the clause that contract was to be subject to the approval of the presiding bishop, this approval was just a condition precedent. So what this means is that it was just required before entering or renewing a contract, but it was not necessary during the term of the secondment contract. The approval lasted the entire term of the secondment contract. And so based on this, the court said that the parties are bound by their secondment contract. And so upon giving his approval, the presiding bishop of the Methodist Church of Kenya became functor's official. What functor's official means is that once the bishop gave his approval to the secondment agreement, he no longer had the authority to withdraw it. The third issue for determination was how parties can terminate the secondment contract. So the court held that termination of a secondment contract can only be as per the terms of the secondment contract. So in this case, between Kenya Methodist University and Kaunganya, secondment contract had provided that termination could only be either by the expiry of the term or by either party giving three months notice. So in this case, there was no requirement that once the presiding bishop withdraws their approval, that this can constitute a term for terminating the contract. So the court held that the appellant prematurely terminated this contract based on an unfair reason because the withdrawal of an approval was not a reason for terminating the contract as provided for in the secondment contract. Thank you, Janet, for that detailed analysis. And just to stress on the points that you have just elaborated on, there's another case that we came across, which was decided by the Employment and Labor Relations Court in Nairobi in 2013. Mary Nyangasi Ratemo and nine others versus Kenya Police Staff Circle Limited and another. So in the Mary Ratemo case, the employees were transferred to another employer without their consent and notice. So the court stressed that there has to be a valid contract between the principal employer and the employee. And it wasn't enough for the two employers to agree on the secondment without notifying the employees. So basically from what we have discussed, there are a few take-homes that an employer considering secondment should know. So the first one for us is that there has to be a contract and the contract has to provide for the duties and obligations of the employee and the principal employer. Janet, what are your take-homes from our discussion? Those are important take-homes, Christine. So for me, I think what I took home is that secondment contract has to provide for the mode of termination of the secondment relationship. So from the cases that we have discussed, I think it's clear for me that the court rarely interferes with the provisions of a secondment contract. For instance, if the nominal employer would like to have the option of recalling the employee, they need to include this in the secondment contract that one of the modes of 
termination is if the employer recalls the employee. So the secondment agreement has to provide for all the modes of termination and the parties, including the nominal employer, if they want to have a say in the termination, they need to provide for this in their secondment contract. That's it for me, Christine. Thank you, Janet. That was such an enriching discussion. And that's it, guys. I hope you've learned something. And until next time, it's goodbye from us. Goodbye. The views and information expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily present those of the firm. All content is provided for general purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. We make no representations, warranties or guarantees, whether expressed or implied, that the content on our podcast is accurate, complete, up-to-date or reflects the current law. We accept no responsibility for any loss or damage, whether direct or consequential, arising from reliance on the information which is presented here.